Amen. Well, this past week, we had a group of young adults that are connected with our leadership college here at CPC. And I love this group because they chose to do something all on their own. Didn't take me or the leadership coming up with some plan or idea. We didn't have to do any research for it. We didn't have to throw any efforts into it. They just chose they wanted to go make an impact. They are stirred up for Jesus and they wanted to go impact people however they could. They went on their own and searched out and found some mission work happening in, uh, in just out of Tulsa, Oklahoma to, to uh, uh, some of the Cherokee Nation and surrounding area. And I wanna show you a couple pictures. This is my favorite picture. Here's a group of young adults praying over the city of Tulsa this week. They went on to help some area needs. They were, they were worshiping in, a, in a, a Cherokee Indian church. They helped supply a campground, did some work there uh, for a big gospel gathering that's about to take place there in Oklahoma. They had to bring in all these benches and our kids during the, or these young people during the day painted all of those benches to get this place ready for worship. And in the evenings, they traveled around the city and, on the, and, and in restaurants and walking the streets of the area, just praying over people and sharing the gospel with people. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of proud of them. And I, I'd like for them to know that. What these uh, young adults were doing is they were living out our number one code value here at CPC. If you got your message notes, I want you to write this down. Our number one code here at CPC is this. Evangelism matters. We share Jesus. That's what we do as Christians. That's what we do who have received God's amazing grace. You may not even know what the word evangelism means. It simply means this. We share Jesus with people. And if I can go off of that and just tell you, uh, some of you know, uh, if you've been here for a few months, some of you know that about a month ago, we launched a 1130 worship experience. Some of you may still want to move over and help serve in that service. I will tell you, it's steadily growing. Our goal is for it to grow throughout the summer and, and, and really work out all the kinks and get smooth. So by the fall, when uh, we always have a tick uh, in growth in the fall, as we have our growth in the fall, that service is ready to run. And, and I can tell you this, it's doing pretty well. Uh, some of you may still want to come and help us in it, and I, I would welcome that. But I, I got this news that I just got to share with you. Two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, seven children gave their hearts to Jesus in the 1130 service. Five of them were first-time guests. Amen. It's working. Why? Because of this number one code value of our church. We share Jesus. Uh, what is a value anyway, a core value? A core value is simply this. It's a deeply ingrained principle that guides your actions. And what we're going to do over the summer is we're going to look at 10 of these biblical principles that you can find in the scriptures that guided the early church, that guided believers then, disciples then, that I believe and we believe should guide the church today 
as well as not just the church, but the church is made up of people, of believers, right? The church isn't an organization. It is an organism. It is a living body made up of you and I following Jesus. He's the head. We're his body. And so the principles that we should guide the church are the same principles that ought to guide my personal life and your personal life. And so for the summer, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at 10 of these. We call them here the code at CPC, our code of values. The first one being we share Jesus. Now, this shouldn't come to any shock to us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand the reason Jesus did not rapture you straight to heaven the moment you were saved is because you now have a mission to fulfill and a purpose to live by. That purpose is not to attend church every Sunday and make sure the church does everything you enjoy. That is not your God-given mission on earth. If that's all you look for, pray to go to heaven. That's where you need to be because until then, we are here to serve Jesus and do what Jesus commanded us to do. And here's what Jesus commanded us to do in some of his last words before he ascended to heaven, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If you know it, quote it. Doesn't matter what translation, it all sounds pretty much the same. Online campus, go ahead and just put in the comments so everybody knows what you're saying. Matthew 28, 19, 20. Let's say it out loud together, ready to go. Jesus said, go. Let's just say that one word again because I just like it. It's just good. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There's only one name given unto man whereby man must be saved, the name of Go and give them Jesus, right? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. Then he gives us a promise. If we go about the Father's business, what is the promise Jesus attached to the end of the commission? And lo, I will be with you always. You want the Lord to go with you and empower you and strengthen you? Then get about his business. That's what he's saying. Let's be about the Father's business. And he promises, I'll be with you even to the end. Somebody shout amen. You know I'm telling you the truth here this morning. Jesus is the one that gave us this value. Jesus is the one who instilled it upon his believers, his disciples. Our theme this year is being a disciple of the Lord and learning how to hear his voice. Every sermon series I've done thus far, we're halfway through the year, has been about what it looks like to be a true disciple of Christ. And I need to tell you today, a true disciple of Jesus is one who shares Jesus. We understand that this is given to us by Jesus. It's not a choice. It's a command. It's something that we should do, but we shouldn't do it out of obligation. We should do it because we're absolutely overwhelmed by the greater love and the greater grace that we've received and we deserve. And when you, receive, when you realize that he, your sin is great, but his love is greater. When you understand that your failures was wide, but his arms are wider. Mm. Then being overwhelmed by the grace you've received, we share that with other people who need the grace of God. So today what we're going to do is we're going to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to look at an early disciple who shared Jesus. And we're going to ask ourselves the question, what are the characteristics we see here in the life of someone who shares Jesus? So disciples who share Jesus, number one, write this down, listen and obey the Holy Spirit. Disciples who share Jesus 
Listen and obey the Holy Spirit. Look with me at Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. The scripture says this, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Somebody shout, angel spoke to Philip. He heard him. He heard this angel, right? An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. He he said, get up, go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. Gaza was south of Jerusalem. It's a desert road there. So he got up and he went. There was an Ethiopian man. Shout an Ethiopian. Look at what's interesting about this man. He's a eunuch and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, Candace is not her name. Candace is a title, just like Pharaoh was a title to kings in Egypt. Candace was the title. It just means like a Pharaoh in Ethiopia. So here he is serving the Pharaoh, if you will, the Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who is in charge of her entire treasury. So now we know who who this man serves and what he does. He is in charge of the national treasury. So he is a high-ranking eunuch. He is very wealthy. And watch this. One, uh, uh, then it says, he had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. So the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he's reading out of a scroll in his chariot. Look at the next verse, say it with me. Everyone read, go. The spirit told Philip, go and join this chariot. So there's a couple of things here we need to capture first. First of all, is who's this Philip? Philip is one of the first seven deacons who was chosen to serve the body of Christ when the New Testament church was formed. So he is not a preacher. Catch this. He is not an apostle. He's not a prophet. He's just an ordinary man in the congregation who has a gift of generosity and hospitality and loves people. And they have chosen him to go serve the body. This is a good man, a godly man, but just a man. He's a Jew, but most likely he's a Hellenistic Jew. You say, what does that mean? Well, a Hellenistic Jew just simply means he probably grew up outside of Jerusalem. He has a Greek name, and he, is, um, he speaks Greek. Now, this is interesting for you because of the series we just came out of, because when did the Jews get dispersed out of Jerusalem and grow up in areas outside of Jerusalem? When did the Hellenistic Jew begin? It goes all the way back to when Nebuchadnezzar came in and tore down Jerusalem and carried Jews away, even though Cyrus, we talked about last week, allowed them to go back to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple. Not every Jew went back to Jerusalem. Many of them settled in the surrounding areas, grew up speaking those languages, learned those cultures, but three times a year, they would come back to Jerusalem to worship. During three of the feasts, one of them just happened, and it was the day the church was born, and 3,000 people were saved. Anybody remember what that festival's called? In fact, it was last Sunday on our calendar, Pentecost. So Philip, at some point, heard the gospel of Jesus. This Greek-speaking Jew gave his heart to Christ. Now he is uh, serving in the church of Jesus. He is a deacon in the church. But here's what's interesting to me is he heard the Spirit speak. 
I need to tell you, you don't have to be a preacher to hear the voice of the Lord nudging on your heart. This is for every one of us, and it means we have to pay attention to our devotional life, to our prayer life, to reading of Scripture, to getting our hearts sensitive enough to feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit of God. Our theme this year is I want you to learn to hear the voice of God, and you do that through your devotion to Christ, prayer, being open to the Holy Spirit, having quiet time with God, and allow God to speak, and Philip heard the Spirit speak. So I want you to go down to Gaza. Now, here's what you need to know. There was a persecution that had just started in Jerusalem. Stephen, one of uh, Philip's buddies, who was also a deacon, was just martyred, executed for being a Christian. When that happened, persecution rang throughout the city of Jerusalem against Christians and everyone except the apostles, all the other Christians in the city of Jerusalem, the Bible says, fled out of the city. Philip goes to Samaria and starts preaching the gospel. He's in Samaria when the Spirit speaks. Now, here's what you need to know if you know about a map. Samaria is north of Jerusalem. Gaza is south. And he's in the north country when the Spirit says, get up and go down south and get down to a desert road. This man had to sacrifice a lot of time and energy to get down south, all because he felt a nudge of the Spirit say, I'm ready for you to go down there. He didn't even know why he was going. Look at me, folks. Do you understand that sometimes following Jesus means you gotta follow him when he doesn't give you all the answers? Come on, somebody. Sometimes all he gives you is a nudge and he's waiting to see if you'll be obedient and follow what he's got to say. Come on, online campus, you with me out there? And so here Philip goes down and when he gets there, he finds a eunuch, an Ethiopian riding in a chariot reading uh, out of the book of Isaiah. So here's what's interesting about the eunuch. He is in Jerusalem to worship the Lord. He's not a Jew. Most likely he's not a Jew. He's, the Bible clearly said he's an Ethiopian. But somewhere he had heard about the God of Israel. Perhaps this goes all the way back to the tradition of the Queen of Sheba who went up to see King Solomon. Perhaps some Jewish teaching started influence in Ethiopia at that point. We don't really know. He may have been a proselyte to Judaism. But he couldn't have been a full-fledged proselyte because he is a eunuch. And here's what the Old Testament law of Moses says about eunuchs. It says a eunuch is not allowed inside the temple. Now, here's something I want you to capture. I want you to see the heart of this man, how much he wanted to know the God of the Bible, how much he wanted to know God. He was willing to travel from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem in a, and go worship God, even though he knew religion was not going to let him inside the church. How bad did he want to know God? Bad enough that if all I can do is get on the outskirts of the city and see the temple, I'll still get as close as I can get to feel the presence of the Lord. Woo! I like this guy already. And here he is now leaving Jerusalem. He didn't get to go inside the temple. He's leaving Jerusalem. He's worshiping the Lord. And Philip hears the Spirit speak, and the Spirit says, get down. Here's a question I need you to to answer yourself. The eunuch knew the church wouldn't let him in, but he went anyway. Question, did he get the attention of God? 
Did God have a plan B? Guess who is in plan B? Hey, I got a brother over here, a, a servant who is listening for my voice. Hey, spirit, go down there and tell Philip to get on down there to Gaza. Wait a minute, Lord. Don't you see how long of a, dr- a walk that is? Yep, he'll go. Tell him. Isn't it awesome to know that there was a man who was listening to the Holy Spirit enough that God could trust him with this important mission? How many of you want God to find you faithful to do his mission? The Lord says, go on down there, Philip. Now, Philip doesn't know why he's going. Sometimes you're not going to know. You're not going to know today when you leave here what God's going to do with you next. Just be ready. Somebody shall be ready. Come on, somebody shout, be ready. Online campus, go ahead and put that in the comments. Shout, be ready. Because number two, here's what you got to know about disciples who share Jesus. You look for opportunities to have a gospel conversation. Look for opportunities to have a gospel conversation. Look with me now what happens. Acts chapter 8, verse 30. Philip Philip ran up to to the chariot. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? The man said, how can I? unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Somebody shot, got to get close. This is a personal conversation. Now the scripture passage he read was this. He was like sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before his shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? His life was taken from the earth. That is a prophecy out of Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. And he's reading that passage. It is a prophecy of the Messiah. It is depicting Jesus going to the cross and not speaking up for himself. Then the eunuch said to Philip, I love this. I ask you, who is this prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him, read with me, everybody in the room and online, come on. Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning with that scripture. Circle those words, the good news, and out beside it on your message notes or in your Bible, just write gospel. That's all good news means, gospel. Or when you hear somebody say, let's talk about the gospel, it is the good news. Here's what I want you to uh, capture when you read this passage. What did the Spirit, ooh, what did the Spirit tell Philip to do? Go down to Gaza. Did he tell him anything about the Ethiopian? Did he tell him, I'm going to have you meet a dude? No, just go. Question, second question. When he saw the eunuch, the spirit did say, go over there. Did the spirit tell Philip what to do next? Did the spirit ever tell Philip to pick up at that scripture in Isaiah and show that eunuch how that scripture expresses Jesus, the Messiah. Did the Spirit ever tell him to do that? Not one time. Why did not the Spirit tell him to use the Bible verse out of Isaiah to tell that eunuch about Jesus? And why did Philip tell that man about Jesus using the passage out of Isaiah? 
Because here's a core value Jesus instilled in all disciples. The Spirit doesn't have to tell us to share Jesus. It's a given. Philip already knew to be looking for an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. This just becomes in second nature to us. That's what Jesus taught his disciples. In fact, I want you to look at a couple of verses. In, in my opinion, this one verse sums up the entire gospel story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's found in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, when Jesus said these words. Read them out loud with me, church. Go ahead. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's quick. Period. Simple. You want to know what this book is all about? God saving people from their sin. Those who are separated from God and bringing them to God. How does he do it? It's through his son Jesus. And the first messianic prophecy of this is in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. In fact, you can find every book of the Bible will point you eventually to Jesus the Messiah. Sometimes we feel like we don't know enough Bible or we don't have the courage or the knowledge to share Jesus. I want you to capture how awesome this is with Philip and how simple it should be for us to capture this and understand there, there's no intimidation here for you. There should not be any intimidation if you share the gospel. It's not about how many Bible verses you know. It's not about if you can argue the theology or the questions of someone. Listen, watch this. Look at what Philip does. He listened to the man. He observed the man. The man asked a question that gave Philip an open door. Listen, observe, and then walk through the door the Lord gives. He's reading Isaiah 53. You know what I love about this? Had the eunuch only known that if he would go forward three chapters to Isaiah 56. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's said in Isaiah 56? Is that when this Messiah comes, who will be like the lamb led before his shears and silent, when that Messiah comes, Isaiah 56 says, the eunuch and the Gentile will be welcomed inside the temple of God. At that moment, religion kept him out. On this day, he learned Jesus welcomed him in. Yeah, I have one clap there, and that's the only spiritual person in the church right now. <laughs> I just had to do that. Somebody shout amen. Aren't you thankful for a Jesus who welcomed you in? And this is the gospel. This is why he came. Peter picked up on this. Look at this verse with me, 2 Peter 3, 9. Read it out loud with me. Ready to go. The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay. Stop for a moment. Let me just pick you up here. Peter here is actually talking about the rapture. He's actually talking about the second coming of Jesus and how many in his, his lifetime believed they'd already missed it and they wondered, where is God? Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Same questions we hear today. Same thing that made a lot of people famous on YouTube with YouTube theology after COVID-19. Everybody wanted to predict the coming of Jesus. 
Here's what he says. The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but read with me. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And I can tell you exactly why Jesus hasn't come back yet. According to that verse, he's still waiting for more of us to share Jesus with more people far from God because he still has people out in this old world in sin that he wants saved before Jesus comes back. Every morning you wake up, instead of saying, God, where are you? Why don't you hurt and get us out of this mess? Wake up and throw your hands in the air and say, thank you, God, you love sinners so much, you're giving them one more day. And you want me to be one of your vessels to go share Jesus with somebody. God, help me to have a heart for people far from God. Amen? That's what I pray for here in our church. I don't know about you. I told you before, my wife is a Star Wars fan. Right now we're watching the Mandalorian. Show after show after show. You don't watch one. You block off a time period. And you just keep hitting next. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I love the Mandalorian for this reason. I think it's a depiction of Christians. Though we don't fight and battle the way they battle. I, don't get me that. They have a saying. The Mandalorians have a saying. It's their creed. They say it all the time. This is the way. This is the way. They do something. This is the way. Do you know what Christians were called before they were called Christians? People of the way. I need you to know in the code throughout this series, every one of these 10 values we talk about is the way Christians have been behaving since the beginning of the church. And our number one value is this. We share Jesus. I love that he came up close and he told him the gospel. You know, you may have heard this saying, Share Jesus. Use words if necessary. I love the sentiment of that. What it's saying is, is let your actions back up what you preach. I love that. But I need you to look at me. It's theologically wrong. It, it is, it's not wrong. I shouldn't say it that way. Because faith without works is dead. It is, you have to show what you, but it's not a either or, it's a both and. Yes, you need to show the gospel by your works, but I need you to understand that what the scripture teaches us is you still should use your words to share the gospel. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I hear a lot of Christians who say, I just will show people Jesus by the way I live. Good, but you better still tell them about Jesus because if you don't, let me tell you what you're doing. You're telling people, look how good I am. And you're really not that good. You've been changed. You've been transformed. You've been redeemed. You've been renewed. And you need to tell them while they're bragging on how good you are and how much you've changed, you better tell them the reason you've changed. You don't need to hide from your past. You need to use your past to tell people, look at what the power of Jesus can do. He changed my life. He transformed me. Number three, Christians or disciples encourage others to follow Christ boldly. 
We're not ashamed to call people to follow Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 36. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What should keep me from being baptized? And so he ordered the chariot to stop. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and baptized him. <laughs> they had revival on the road. I'm about to give some of you an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life. And I hope that you'll have the same boldness that the eunuch had. I'm also going to challenge many of you who are believers to stop being quiet about your faith and start listening for the Spirit to prompt you and to look for opportunities to start a gospel conversation. And then encourage people to follow Jesus. Because here's what I want you to capture out of the passage. Let's just exegete the passage for a minute. Question number one, is Philip a preacher? No, but he is preaching. Did you get it? You don't have to be ordained or clergy to be telling the good news of the gospel. The eunuch gave his heart to Jesus and was baptized that day. Was he in the temple? No, religion kept him out. Jesus welcomed him in. Listen, you don't have to be paid clergy to share the gospel. It's not my job to lead everybody to Jesus for you. I'm not going to take that weight off your shoulders. It's my job as your pastor to equip you and encourage you and motivate you to go share the good news of Jesus. Can I tell you what the greatest, greatest tool this side of heaven is for church growth and souls to be saved and kingdom impact? It's excited believers, unashamed to share what Jesus has done in their life with someone else. You get people fired up for what God has done in their life and willing to share Jesus with people. It's the most powerful thing in the world. There's nothing hell can do to stop the movement of the body of Christ. There's no gate in hell that can keep us out. And by the way, when you read Matthew 16, when, he, when Jesus says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, the gates were not there for us to be protected from the devil. It's hell puts up gates trying to keep us out because we're invading their territory, leading people out of darkness and into the light. And I wanna tell somebody today, when you tell the simple gospel of Jesus, hell has no power over the power of the gospel. Mm. Mm. Is that too loud? Blame the sound man, don't get on me. <laughs> Woo. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of the Lamb and the empty tomb that gives us the hope of eternal life. Listen to me, you don't have to wait till Sunday to tell somebody they can be saved. You, you lead them to Christ right there in the supermarket aisleway. You lead them right there at a weight machine in the gym. You, you lead them to Christ there at the car wash. Wherever you're sharing the gospel, you can say, man, aren't you ready to give your heart to Jesus? So simple. And hey, if they're ready to be baptized, don't you wait till our next baptism Sunday? Oh, I love it. I love to do them all here. But you know you can be baptized with your small group in a swimming pool or a tub. You say, oh, I don't know. Church will like that. Hey, your pastor's telling you you got permission. 
All I want is a video and a picture of it so I can brag on it, all right? You can be baptized in a creek and in a lake, in a river, I don't care. All I care about is we share Jesus with people, lead people to Jesus, that's it, that's all that matters. Amen? How many of you today can say somebody did that for me? Come on, let me see some hands. We're gonna pray, we're gonna sing a little song, we're gonna, we're gonna worship, we're gonna open the altars. I need to know from believers, I wanna hear from believers. How many of you believers can say someone did this for you? Someone shared Jesus with you? Now come on, you didn't get saved by yourself. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You heard the gospel, somebody invited you to church, somebody sat down and shared the gospel with you, somebody did, amen? I want us to be a church that does that for somebody else today, amen? Maybe you're here, you've never known Jesus, today's your day. Here's what I know about Philip and what I know about us and what I pray is our big takeaway today. And that is this, here's what Philip's teaching us because uh, you're gonna see this. Disciples of Jesus are always ready to help connect people to God, to grow closer to him and go share his love. Look at Acts 8, 39 and 40. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him any longer. By the way, was this about Philip at all? No, it wasn't about Philip. Philip wasn't the eunuch savior, Jesus is. He did not see him any longer and he went away rejoicing. What did Philip do? Look at it. Philip appeared in Azotus. He was traveling, say it, and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So what did Philip do? Philip led that man to the Lord. Next thing you know, the spirit took him down to another city. Why? Still more people to hear about Jesus. Because that's what we do as disciples. We, hey, I just preached 30 minutes. You got it by now, come on. We <laughs> share Jesus. 